0: It was a trip that rose up out of a response for a natural disaster. In fact, it was a natural disaster that was, has still gone down in being one of the worst natural disasters in U.S. history. It was catastrophic, and it was not only catastrophic to the people of this particular area uh, where this happened, but it was also impacted uh, that region as well as us as an entire country. It was August 2005, and it was Hurricane Katrina. And so the team that rose out of that was a team of individuals uh, from a bunch of different places in life that came together and decided as we watched the scenes unfold on the screens before us of people in great need. And so about 20 people from ECOB back in uh, December of 2005 the week between Christmas and New Year's decided that we had to go to New Orleans and so we packed up the bus and the day after Christmas we left and headed down to Picayune Mississippi where we were going to camp and then go into the city of New Orleans and serve those people that were in the midst of a disaster it was a mission team that was made up of several families from this congregation, consisting of the, you know, the parents and, and some with children and some with teens. It was also a team that was made up of some single adults. It was a team made up of some teenagers whose parents weren't able to go and be a part of the trip. It was also a team made up of some married couples. It was a team of multiple generations. The strength of that team, which I'd like to say I knew would be when we embarked on this journey the day after Christmas, the strength of the team really came in ways that I never imagined. As we ventured out on the road and traveled many hours and then began to go into some pretty devastated places, even some spiritually dark places, what happened is that we as a team had to recognize and had to actually live out the fact that we had to work very intentionally to serve one another. You see, when you take a trip with people all in the same season of life as you or all in the same um, generation as you, you all, there are some things, even through the diversity, there's some things that just kind of click. But when you've got parents without teens, you've got young children, you've got married couples, you've got singles, you have to work at it. And so what happened that week is that we had to, before we ever went out to do mission work, we had to learn how to be missional people with one another. And I was so blown away after that week because what I saw was people With different abilities and different gifts, different needs come together. For example, we had young children on this trip, including some of ours. And they they had to be supervised, either by Susan and I or somebody else. We had parent, excuse me, we had teens on this trip whose parents were not with them, and they needed a whole different kind of support because emotionally, what we were witnessing in uh, New Orleans was uh, just not only very shocking, it, it, it just was very challenging in trying to figure out how to process this. But in the midst of that, we had some work to do. We had some, they could pick up a chainsaw and cut a log. We had some who could even carry logs. But we had some who couldn't do that, but they could come along and they could pick up brush and carry brush to a pile. Some who could cook, thank goodness. But all together in this team, what rose up out of it has been a principle and the truth of God that became very realized to me and I would say even to the people on that trip. And it's something I would say that was not something new to me, but something as truth does. When when we begin to live it and we, we not just experience truth, but it comes alive to us, and we catch that through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, what happens is God's word becomes a part of who we are. That happened for me that week. That trip taught me, a very important principle about God's plan and design, not just for a mission trip, but for his church. And it's one that really began to shape my ministry as youth pastor somewhat differently, but it also has shaped my role as senior pastor of this church. And part of it is because it's been nurtured in this place. And it's this value of multiple generations together in community. I would like to say that every church has multiple generations, but we know that's not true. Some churches work very hard just to gear toward a very young crowd. Some, by nature, as a church uh, begins um, to fade, unfortunately, is resulted and it ends up being um, a, a, a lot of people near the end of season of life. And while those situations are not always intended... There is something about us as a church that I actually believe we need to nurture to prevent either of those things from happening. Because I believe the community of God is best represented in what I see in not only this church, but other churches in this country that represent multiple generations. The leadership of this church, which has involved elders and staff and, and uh, really about 50 leaders in ministry teams, over about the last year, we have been seeking God to develop uh, the, division, the vision that he has for this church. And I have shared about this in different pieces, in different times. One of the things we've done in that process is we've stepped back and said, so what has made this church at times thrive when were we at our best when have maybe we not been our best as a as a community of faith and one of the things that came out of that discussion in that prayer was this idea that when we embrace and we embody generations coming together we see we see an impact not just an impact on us as the people of God but an impact on this community now what this doesn't mean is that we can't have just a children's thing or just a youth thing or just a senior adult thing. That's not what I'm saying because we need those. But that's, if that's exclusively what we're doing, we are missing out on this value of generations together that teaches us incredible things like I learned and others learned on that trip. This value, I believe, as From the first day 20 years ago that Susan and I stepped into Barron Street, and I believe what has brought many of you into this fellowship, we've seen this common heartbeat where we're not afraid to put young people with senior adults. We're not afraid to put those who still have children with those who are saying, phew, yeah, we just got rid of them all. Great. You see, we've been most effective in sharing life and sharing Christ when we've embraced this value of multiple generations. Generations, not just in the same space, but generations together. And so I want to talk a little bit about today. We're going to hit over the next few weeks, if you flip the back of your sermon sheet over, you will see our five values as a church that we are reaffirming. They're not brand new But we we want to continue to affirm those as part of who we are as a church. Now, if, if you've done any vision work, if you've done any work on values and stuff in organizations or, or your, your workplace, sometimes they can get weighed down. Sometimes you can look at them and say, well, you know, that's great. You know, yeah, we got to do it organizationally. What, wh- why does that really matter? What I hope to do today as we look in Scripture, what I hope to do is to say that this is not just about an organizational structure. This is not just about creating an organization and some great buzzwords. You know, this is what we as a church, because we are the church, have to embody. I don't think there's an option here. In fact, I know there's not. And so, that will shape us. That will shape how we do ministry. As I said, I believe it's, it's a value that brought many of you into this place and why you call this your church family, your church home. Not just because it's closest to your house, or the worship times are convenient, or you happen to like this part or that part. No, it's the values that keep us united together. And so, I want to take a look at a verse or a passage today. And actually, Miss Colleen shared it a minute ago. I would like us to go to Deuteronomy six. Excuse me. This is a passage that actually uh, Pastor Josh has preached on. I actually uh, think most of us have preached on this one or more times over the last couple of years. Um, it's important. And I think it captures why this not only needs to be, but has been a value here at ECOB. In other words, this is not just me or the staff or elders just grabbing some nice things out of the air. It's like, well, that sounds pretty good. Let's do that. No, we believe this actually rises up, this value out of the Scripture, as well as other Scriptures, uh, some of which we'll take a look at. So Deuteronomy 6. This will be on the screen, but if you have a copy of your word, uh, open it up and let me lead us in reading it. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This text, if you understand some of the connection between the Old Testament and New Testament, this text is and, and the truth behind what is shared uh, as the writer of Deuteronomy, believed to be Moses, is what is shared is repeated by Jesus. It's a, it's a very familiar verse. It's, uh, uh, it, it's a verse that we talk about a lot. But it's reflective of what's being communicated in the Old Testament truth that is very much found under the new covenant of Jesus. Look at uh, Matthew 22 with me. They were gathered around. They were, they were asking Jesus questions and some trying to trick him. And, and basically they came out and said, so tell us what's most important. Get rid of all your riddles, get rid of all of your your tricky answers. Just tell us what's important. So Jesus says in verse 37, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself." All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you were with us when we walked through the Sermon on the Mount, you remember that that much of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly in the Beatitudes, rise up out of this great commandment. And much rises up out of this value of generations together. On the screen, we've tried to capture in this process of moving forward as a church, capture a phrase that help us understand what Generations Together is. I want you, I want to understand that when people talk and ask about the church that you uh, are a part of and participate in, oh yeah, we kind of hang out together, just all kinds of generations. No, it's much more than that. So if you look on the screen, Generations Together is demonstrated by creating environments for building intentional relationships across generations. Wow, that sounds pretty and great, right? So what does it mean? That's what we got to know. How do we live this? How do we do it? Let's talk about that for a moment. This first phrase here is creating environments. Now, this may sound like something a scholar does or somebody who's highly educated or is just very aware psychologically of all the different things that go on. No, you do it every day. You create an environment. It is an awareness of the settings that we're in. Now I know some of you are thinking, I know some people that aren't very aware. Okay, I'll give you that. There's times we're not very aware either. But creating an environment for these generations together is all about our choices, our actions, and our awareness of how we're spending time with others who aren't like us in terms of season of life. You do it when somebody comes to your home. Now, whether you clean your house or not, okay? Whether you clean your house or not, you create an environment. You make the decision. Hey, they're going to come, and we're going to sit in the kitchen around the kitchen table. No, we're going to actually go in. We're going to sit on the soft furniture, or it's a beautiful day. Let's go out to the deck, or let's go to the patio, and let's sit there and talk. But even in those decisions, you create an environment. Sometimes they're firing off, and you make decisions so quickly, you don't really even know you're doing it. But when we apply this spiritually, what we begin to see is that we become very aware, am I hanging around with people that believe, uh, uh, believe in following Christ exactly like I do in my season of life, in my circumstances, and on and on and on. Now, before anybody panics, I'm not talking about compromising the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about, the fact, is that sometimes it gets very easy just to hang with people that are just like you in season of life. Some of our small groups, one and other groups, are organized around those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is something so good about putting ourselves in places with people that give us a different perspective from a different season of life and what it means to follow Jesus in that. I just learned a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'm telling you, I can't share this story without smiling because it just, it absolutely warms my heart. There's a young lady in this church. She's a junior high student, and she has chosen to go periodically to one of the nursing homes here in Eaton. And when she goes there, uh, some of the time, I don't know if she does this all the time, but she plays dominoes with some of the senior adults there at the nursing home. She's created an environment. It's pretty simple. We don't need lots of money. We don't need lots of other resources or creativity. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, hey, i like to do this. Maybe somebody else would like to do this with me. Somebody that normally wouldn't. And so this young lady plays dominoes with senior adults in the nursing home. Isn't that not the coolest thing? You know, I want to smile, but I also want to cry. I don't know what led this this young lady to do it, but I doubt that she's doing it because her youth pastor told her. In fact, I know it's not because her youth pastor told her. I doubt that she's doing it because mom and dad said, you're going to go and play dominoes. Now, I believe God spoke to her. I believe in some setting, in some way, whether formally, if she sensed that the Lord was leading her to go make a difference in somebody's life and somebody that was rather different from her. Think about the possibilities. You know, when Jesus says, love one another, love your neighbors as yourself, I believe the best expression of that is finding people that are not like us. And loving them. That's when it's the hardest. But I believe that's when it's most reflective of what Jesus was trying to communicate. You see, we need to look for these settings. Not just in this place. Yeah, in this place, but everywhere. We need to look for these settings. The easiest one, if you're saying, well, I'm just not really sure. I'm not very creative. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you one. Sunday morning worship. In other words, you don't have to start doing a whole bunch of other things. Sunday morning worship. Walk in. Look around. Find someone, different generation than you, and go and worship with them. Go sit by them and worship with them. It may be a little uncomfortable. You may wonder why they're singing or not singing or raising their hands or not. But learn. Understand that perspective. I want you to consider how you will be a part of creating environments that reinforce this value. Because I tell you, it's not just about leadership doing this. It's about all of us doing it. And it leads us to a, a, another part of this, which is building intentional relationships. I'm gonna dig into this a little bit more next week as we talk about equipping and empowering one another. But I wanna talk about what it says in Deuteronomy 6. In verses seven through nine again, it, it um, speaks to words like impress and talk and write. Now when we think about environments and you look in these verses, you see the when you sit at home, when you lie down, when you rise up, in other words, your life, not just one section of it, not just one time of the week, but all of it. And so in this place there is some spe- very specific direction impress about, impress them, talk about them, write them. In other words, be intentional I'm not asking, I'm not suggesting that planning out all of these things is the way it is. But if you're anything like me and like I believe most human beings is in our busyness, in our sinfulness, in our laziness, and all of those things that we don't like to admit about ourselves, what happens is that we don't do it. Oh, it'll happen. Nope, it won't. I think about people who came into my generation from a different generation and invested in me. It was not easy. It was not convenient. It was something they had to think about. It was something they had to prepare for. Now, some of you may do that very easily and very quickly. Great. Help those who maybe struggle with it. But be intentional. Don't just show up in the same place. You know, one of the things I've loved uh, that Pastor Josh has done as youth pastor, and when he came and talked to me about this, I'll have to say I was a little skeptical, not because I didn't believe in it, but because I just thought, man, I don't know how you're going to get this to work. But it's been happening for probably, I guess, just finished the second year, of junior and senior high students once a month during the school year, they go into senior adult homes and visit with them. And they go and they spend time. They hang out. They eat. They play games. My son talks about basketball with, uh, with the gentleman at the house he goes to. But there's two individuals in my household. That's one of the favorite things they talk about. And there's times when that's what they're excited about more than anything. Is going and spending time with some of these senior adults. I know some of the senior adults that get visited very well from the other side of that i can tell you is the re- the refreshment that it is to be around others in different generations i mean the opportunities are bound one of them is happening this week as we serve together this sss this is not a vbs you may say well it sure looks and sounds like a vbs no, it's a different approach. It's approach of us as a family of believers walking into this week to teach and care for one another. And there still are a lot of opportunities, everything for helping prepare some meals to all kinds of other avenues, which many of you have jumped into and are serving this week. But stop by the kiosk and, and talk about and, and explore how you can intentionally engage a different generation than you. Here's what I'm going to ask of you who are serving this week. A lot of times we get caught up in the masses and, okay, I've got to share this with all these people and all this. Now, I want you to in addition to the task that you have, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one person this week. That is a different generation of you. So kids, those of you who are serving, don't pick one of your your classmates or friends. I want you to go to pick, whether it's a younger child or I want you to go find an adult. And I want you intentionally, all of us who are serving this week, to build a relationship with one other person. Can you imagine the impact on the kingdom of God? And that one very easy task. It'll change your week. God may show up. Consider how to be a part. The last part of this phrase, across generations, you know, we just celebrated this beautiful joy of walking with Josh and Tiffany and their family and especially Elijah James this day. But I tell you that my favorite thing about Father's Day is not because somebody created a holiday that can wreak a lot of havoc and stress and anxiety. No, what I love is the fact that we can celebrate this privilege and honor, right, Dads? And you know the spiritual legacy that God's calling you to. And I just charge you to live in it. I charge you to run at it. And when you fail, get back up, bring others around you. But don't miss how you model that in your lives. Let me just tell you, you're going to mess it up. I do it all the time. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to go down swinging. And my kids, I want my kids to remember more than anything about me on Father's Day or any other day of the year is that, I commended the works of God to them to celebrate for generations to come. You see, I don't want to just think about my kids. I want to think about my grandkids. I'm telling them all the time, hey, at my funeral, don't talk about me. Talk about Jesus. Make him the most important thing. They won't do that if I don't model it. Look at this passage of Scripture in Mark. Mark 10. This setting here is kind of like a classroom, teachers, right? You've got kids running in and everything, and there's some adults around. Maybe some people are trying to help, and the adults are like, oh, no, we got to do this. we got to do it. Stay back, stay back. The teacher needs time, and and it's just chaos. And so the disciples, as well as some of the other leaders, these kids are coming and running to Jesus, want to touch him, want to talk to him, want to sit on his lap, And all these people are like, no, no, absolutely not. And what's Jesus do? Verse 13 of chapter 10 of Mark. People were bringing little children to Jesus from him to place his hands on them, but his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hand on them, and blessed them. This text is not just about Jesus celebrating children. That's part of it. It's more than that. Yesterday at one of the graduation parties of uh, a young lady in the church, um, there were some young kids there, uh, some of them like two, three years old. And I had the opportunity uh, because they were playing Frisbee. And uh, I will just be completely frank, part of my motive was to keep them from injuring anybody who was sitting there, so I went out to kind of play with them and It, it was a large frisbee, and so we have some young kids, and this one little boy who's two and and uh I, my turn my turn he wanted to play, so you know. You go through those choices. Okay, do I just do it and make him feel like he did it or whatever? But I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity, and it, it kind of came to life for me because I'm like, when's the last time I taught a little kid how to do something? My little kids are this big. They know it all now, right? Sorry. I'll hear about that one today. No more Father's Day for me, right? So, anyways, I'm sorry. So I, I've got this little boy, and so I, I, you know, I'm teaching him. I'm like, okay, when, when we take our hand out and I say, I say go, you're going to do this with your hand. So I had to kind of walk through this. I had to think about, okay, no, well, it's really in the flick of the wrist, and you've got to try. I, he, he didn't know all that. He couldn't understand that. What he wanted was just to be able to figure out and, and play. I don't know that he learned anything, but he taught me a lot. And it goes back to this value. I know I was thinking about it because I'm preaching on it today. But I thought from a childlike perspective, what can we be taught about Jesus? A lot. A lot. And so let's not miss that. It's not about one generation more than another generation or feeling left out. No, it's not any of that. It's about the kingdom of God, right? That's why. That's the necessity of generations together. Look at this passage of scripture. Psalm 145.4. One generation commends your works to another, that they tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Why is the value of generations together important? Because we must declare and praise the character and work of God. And we must pass that on. You see, it's not just about us existing as a church. It's about the kingdom. And if it's important for the kingdom, it better be important for us. Both collectively and individually. And whether you agree with this as a church, this is a value. Let me just tell you, as a Christ follower, this is a part of what it means to be a Christian. I say it all the time, we make things optional. They're not optional. It's what it means to be a Jesus lover, a Jesus follower. And let me tell you, when we look into this community, there is a craving, like most communities in this country today. There is an absolute craving for this generational approach. Teenagers don't need to be around more teenagers. Teenagers need to be around adults who love and care for them. Teenagers, children whose parents are doped out or whatever else, and their parents don't know how to get out of it. They need others walking with them so that they can build a spiritual legacy. Just try it this week. Whether you live in West Alexandria or West Manchester or New Paris or Eaton, Lewisburg, wherever you live, I tell you, get in your car and just drive around and look at the homes and the percentage of homes where the praises and declarations of Jesus Christ and God the Father, most of them, it's not happening. Now, we can shuttle ourselves together, close the doors and say, well, that's just too bad. God help us. The world needs us. It needs the church more than ever. And I absolutely believe we have something to offer in Jesus as we go about it generationally together. I sat over here last Saturday morning, not this past Saturday, the Saturday before, the men's breakfast. And I was sitting with a group of other men and I was just kind of scanning, that's what I do. So I'm just kind of scanning, and I look over in the corner, and there's about six people, six guys sitting at this table. And I look, and the first thing that catches my eye is a man from this church who is uh, in his 50s who is sitting next to a junior high student. And what I know is that man got up that morning, he went to that junior high student's house, picked him up, and brought him back so they could have breakfast together with other men. And then I looked right across the table from them of a retiree, a man in his 60s. And I looked sitting next to him of a man, I believe, who's in his 30s. And what I know is that this older man has been walking with this younger man who's gone through some pretty tough stuff. And I just sit back, and my heart was so full, and I thought, they get it, they get it. And I believe part of the reason they get it is because we've nurtured this in this congregation for years. And what I'm saying to us today, let's continue to embody it. Let's all hands on deck. Everybody contributes. Students, you contribute to this. It's not just adults. But adults, we have to step up as well. This community is thriving, excuse me, is dying for for spiritual parents, spiritual grandparents spiritual brothers and sisters, and even spiritual young siblings. Lastly, so we've talked a lot about what it might look like, what it does look like. I want to celebrate how I see it here at ECOB. Look at Psalm 22. This is a, declara- this is a prophetic declaration here by the psalmist. He says, our children will also serve him, that is Jesus, the Messiah. Future generations will hear about the winners of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. What's going on in this psalm is that the beginning of the psalm is a description of the Messiah on the cross. The end of the psalm, the last 10 verses, is about the results of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that means that the declaration and praises of God will continue from generation to generation. My question, my challenge for us this morning, it's not a question, my challenge for us today is are we gonna be a part of the people of God who are going to help fulfill this prophecy? It is God who will do it, I get that. But he's calling his church. I want this to be true of all of us. I want us to be able to celebrate it. You know, we started this ministry, Etch, a few years ago. And I know for some, it was like, what in the world are you doing? We had some great things going with children and youth on Wednesday night. And you, like, blew it up. What in the world? This is part of the reason we blew it up. What was going on? Not that it was horrible that we were doing. But we were missing something we believed. We were missing drawing families together, not just kids and engaging families in such a way, in other generations, and that's why, the way Etch is structured. Now, it still may not be your favorite uh, way to do it, but I'm telling you, if you walk in here on a Wednesday night during the school year, and you see what happens, not only around these tables, but in the classrooms, when you've got teenagers studying with senior adults, you will love it. Talk to Bruce Barnes. Bruce taught a class out here in the gathering area. And there was one week, a young lady spoke up, and before he knew it, she's preaching to this entire class. He, he was, his feet were on the ground, but he was, he was so stoked. And it's because he didn't plan it, but he created an environment. We together, joined together to create an environment. And is it sometimes sloppy and messy and not the way we do it, nice, not a nice little structure? yeah. That's life, right? So I encourage you, if for no other reason this year, I want to challenge every one of us on a Wednesday night, take one Wednesday night, you got to eat, right? Come and have a meal. If you go home after that, fine. But come have a meal. And when you walk in that door with your food, find somebody who's not in your generation and go sit with them. Just get to know them a little bit. Practice it. Encourage them. You know, last week we kicked off another campaign, and if you were not with us last week, stop back out to Life at Home Center out there, the Resource Center, pick up your bucket, and if your parents or grandparents, the board game, okay, and um, take these resources again, it's not supposed to be a bunch of extra stuff, but build in, and a lot of these resources are built in multi-generational activities. I mean, most of us have family reunions of some sort over the summer, right, there you go. There's vacations, on and on. Summer spiritual spectacular, we already talked about that. Second Saturday is another place I see it. I see men, parents, grandparents out there with young kids. Keep modeling it. Men's and women's ministry, more than ever, are focused on how do we pour into other generations. Keep at it. One another group, sometimes they're structured around a certain uh, demographic. That's fine. I've been in groups like that over the years. But I tell you, you still have an opportunity, okay? You still have an opportunity to serve other generations, love them. I want to finish with this passage of scripture. Paul. We're going to talk about Paul and Timothy next week. But Paul, who really mentored Timothy. He speaks to him in this one pastoral letter. And he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives you and in you also. Let that be said of you. Okay? Let that be said of you wherever you're at generationally. It's not too late continue to invest and care for one another and come together, creating those environments, building intentional relationships across those generations. And I'll tell you, we will share life and share Christ as a church more effectively than we ever have. So let's not be scared. All right, I got an assignment for you. Today, when we're gonna close here, I'm gonna invite Pastor Matt and the team up. But after we close, and I have to say, first service did this really well. Um... I want you, before you leave today, I know it's Father's Day, but take two minutes, okay? I want you, before you leave today, I want you to to, to kind of scan around and, and intentionally go to somebody, kids, you gotta do this too, okay? Go to somebody who is not of your generation and, and greet them this morning, okay? Just introduce yourself, say hello. You may know them, you may not, okay? Don't make it your parents, okay? Um, uh, but, but let's start in a very small, practical way, all right? And let's embrace this value, and better yet, let's embody it. Father God, what a joy it is to serve together. What a joy it is to have a childlike faith that um, is taught to us even when we're many years ahead. Lord, what, what a celebration of seeing that on a, on a team headed to serve others. You did a mighty work in drawing people together. It's what you do. But God, most, most importantly, we want this value to help us preach and teach and model the gospel to a lost and hurting world more effectively. Help us to embrace it. Help us to learn how to practice it even better. And most of all, May we declare your praises and your goodness and your mighty acts every step of the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.